Hey kids, you're listening to the internet's wettest podcast about video games, consoles, and pancakes. The SML Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is the SMO Podcast. I am your host, Joe. Uh, Partycast, we've got everybody here. Brooks here, Pernell's here, Chris hey. is here, Rocky's here. How's everyone doing? Pretty I good. Am. I am tired. I, I bought my new computer. Whoa! Let's talk about it. What are the specs? It's going to have an 11th Gen i9. Uh, it's going to have two hamsters a running the power. <laughs> Basically. Uh, it'll have a 4070 uh, graphics card in it. I think it's 32 gigs of RAM, I believe. Ooh. I'm not 100% sure on that. It's It's been a little bit since I last looked at it. Uh, and it cost me, uh, with shipping, uh, 17 or 1800 bucks. Um, so it hurt, it hurt my feelings. But, you know. But think of how the good years. those 4K porn games are going to look. <laughs> I know, right? Oh my god! And, yeah, it's gonna be sweet. It's meant to last and, you a couple of years too, right? Hope it fucking better at that fucking <laughs> price. It better. There's a lot of things it should tops. be doing at that price. Um, <laughs> no, it's hard to uh, tell sometimes I've, with those things. Uh, it, it's also water cooled, which will be my first water cooled ever. Nice. Uh, so how does water cooling even that. work? You just want to fill it with water every once in a while and it just bubbles up until it evaporates and you have to replace it with more water? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, that's I it. Don't, you got it. I have no idea. <laughs> in most of them, you can't actually put water into it. Once it's broke, you have to take it, or once it's out of water or whatever, you actually have to take it out and put a new one in. Yeah. Because they don't of- make most of them to be to actually let you refillable mess with them yeah because then you oh, know wow. if something happens you're going to get water all over your electronics and stuff <laughs> yeah um, so they make sure it's a nice closed system but they should the last they should last at least you know lots of people last around 10 years without replacing and that's usually how long i have my computer in general before i switch to a new one so and years should i could be dead by then <laughs> Yeah, I won't that's be a that, long, so. That's a long time out in the future. I'm, wow. not, I'm not placing any bets on that. Yeah. But if I'm paying that much money, I'm, I want the computer to. <laughs> yeah, 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 very much so. Especially since, you know, that's twice what I get a month before I, uh, you know, pay my bills and stuff. So payment it hurt my feelings. Or is it, is it a payment uh, plan or did you have to lump it up? Oh, it's getting all lumped up. I'm paying it. It, once once it comes in, it's on back order. It should be in today or tomorrow, hopefully, and then mailed to my parents' house. I thought you were going to tell me you had a month to, to, to actually prepare to pay for it. But no, you got days. But you no, got I, I, I have, I have the money. Stuff. It's it's going to take all my emergency funds and all of my non-emergency funds. Um, so, yeah, it's going to take me... For emergencies probably half a year to build up this money again if i'm really lucky 
The important part yeah. is you're going to though, right? You're not going to just forget you need a savings account. Uh, yes. Like, what? Totally. <laughs> uh, no, my issue is that I'm also addicted to buying gunpla at this point. Like, yeah. I, savings I have first. Problems. Gunpla later. Yeah, savings first. You got a computer now. I, you can I, download I digital gunpla. That. I say that, but it's very hard for me to actually do that because I like the gunpla so much. <laughs> I mean, I mean, cocaine users like the cocaine too, but they have to stop exactly, sometimes. That's, that's why I said budget. I'm addicted. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lean on your friends for support. <coughs> well, it's if any of that... you want to buy my gunpla, I'm fine with that. <laughs> but <laughs> that works. That's not how any of this works. I mean, hey, you said support. You saying, That's the support I need. Uh, <laughs> no, I was just, I was just thinking. It was funny, like talking about budgeting for your hobbies. It's like the first place he went is cocaine. <laughs> like, mm, I've been spending too much on cocaine this month. I need to like, I need to reorganize. I need to redo my books a little bit. Maybe I could spend a little less money on cocaine. Maybe Got myself can... a substitute, cheaper drug for those lean months. I was gonna say, yeah, I can switch to meth for <laughs> for the right month. No, you just buy less food <laughs> and more booze. It's it's problem solves itself. Mm-hmm. Meth tober around here. Hell but. yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, uh, I know that hey. that you got a cool little pickup. Uh, I saw on your Facebook yeah. page. Also about, um, about your new your new goodies. I literally just uh, just like started. I, I got it like right before I had to leave for dinner, and so I haven't had a chance to mess with it much. But I got the new um, Hori Split Pad Compact Dragon Quest controllers. So, mm-hmm. or did got... they split a dragon? They, they still split a slime in half or something? No, no, no. Uh, that would be funny though. Um, it's just a so the the Hori Split Pad Pro is like their bigger controller for you know folks with larger hands to like play oh, yeah. switch on. They're great. Um, yeah, they are great, but they have a slightly smaller version. And uh, just on December first, they released a um, a special Dragon Quest edition that has a slime print on it. Really, really nice. It's got such like really good details. And but the thing is that they are only available in Japan, so it was it was quite tough to like get one shipped to the U.S. on day one. But uh, but I did it. I'm guessing it was and, probably meant to be co- coincide with the recent Dragon Quest Monsters release. I guess so. Yeah, which I also got. Um, but yeah, it also has a matching bag that uh, uh, like a case that it came with. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like like I said, it's. A little bit bigger than Joy-Cons, uh, you know, enough for folks, like I said, with larger paws to, to get a grip on. Um, Look into those. Sticks, yeah, the sticks are a little water more cool. textured. <laughs> no, no, I'm afraid not. I, I could put some water on these, but then I'll have to buy some more. Um <laughs> But yeah, like the sticks have like a nice texture to them. And if you look underneath, like at the, you know, the the ball that like, you know, rolls while you're moving the left stick, there's actually a little slime printed on it. It peeks, peekaboos at you <laughs> if you move the stick to the right. There's also a slime printed on one of the rear buttons, which uh, Hori has been including with these. They're programmable rear buttons if you want to like assign something to them. Uh, they also have turbo, but they don't have like... Um, ergonomic. They don't have the um, what do you call it? The mm, gyro. They don't have gyros or anything like that. Mm. It, these are just for no like playing your games. Yeah, no euros. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I really, really love it. Uh, it looks great, and the case is actually 
not as impressive, but I'm glad that it's it's fitted for these. So and it does have slimes printed on it, which is like all I could ask for, really. Uh, but it's that was blue. like secondary. I like it. Yeah, it was secondary uh, to the to the controllers. Really, the controllers are the important part. They also have um, like Dragon Quest, like the words Dragon Quest printed on it. They have little silhouettes of other monsters, and uh, on the occasionally on it, you'll see slime got. Um, Arawareta. It's hard to. Arawareta. Uh, Better than I could say. I'm a Arawareta. It's a tongue twister for an English speaker. But it that's basically a slime draws near. That's what we've been translating uh, as a slime draws near for forever. Um, just means a slime is approaching. That's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, it was expensive, but not eBay expensive because that's where you can get them right now. <laughs> Do I do I even want to know? <laughs> well, the controllers themselves, which are like, um, they're they're more expensive than the other Hori controllers because they're a special edition. But I mean, they're like one hundred and twenty dollars by themselves on on uh, on eBay, and I got I got this set with the bag for less than that shipped. You know, from oh, the hi actual, Simon. Oh my god! From uh, hi Simon, we love you. Yeah, he just he's oh, demanding attention right now. <laughs> but yeah, That's like I, I basically got the whole set shipped from Amazon JP um, for less than the cheapest listing on eBay. So, Very like, they're nice. not they're not like doubling it up or anything, but they are o- way overcharging. Yeah. I Do you have the actual slime shaped controller for the Switch? I don't, but I found out that people are starting to either sell theirs or just like get rid of the new ones that they bought and didn't use. So like, I actually might jump on one pretty soon. They're not, they're not too expensive to get now. Cause I'm looking at them on eBay and they are expensive right now. Oh, two something, three something. Uh, no, I, that's, that's weird. I saw some for like 70 or $80 earlier and they must be jumping up. Mm, oh, well, I remember having the, the slime controller for PS2. Yeah, I've played on that thing before. They're they're terrible. <laughs> they are so uncomfortable. <laughs> they're they're bad controllers, but they're literally slimes that you hold upside down in your hand and there's a controller on their bottom side and you just like try to play games that way. Like imagine playing a hundred hours of Dragon Quest Eight with that. That thing. sounds adorable. It's it adorable, adorable, but it is adorable. I love it it's one of those things where on paper it's totally different than when you're actually trying to play a game with it. Um it looks great though, and again, it makes a, f- a fantastic like piece like to look at because it's big and it's a slime. So looks great, even. Mm-hmm. For now, I heard you speaking cat earlier. What did you say to Simon? Oh, I was like, <laughs> "Hey, bro, it's gonna be all right. This is what friends are all about." All and, right, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be good. To, I'm trying to be good to the cat. You know. Okay, I appreciate cat. that, Joe. Did it well, work? Did he seem to chill? Yeah, he just needed his snuggles. Okay, and then a Simon, wise word. Simon gets into moods where, like, he needs to just jump on my lap, lay on my chest, and snuggle with me for a couple of minutes, and then he's fine. Yeah, he's, just, he's very that. clingy. That's oh, and he gets perfect. so so jealous when another cat like gets any attention from me. <laughs> he gets so mm. pissy about it. He'll That's come so charging cool. over and try rubbing up against me and pushes face in my hand and oh he's adorable <laughs> yeah our, our so Wilford's the jealous one how many cats do you have chris only right? three only Whoa, three. three i didn't know i thought it yeah. was two i thought you only had him 
We got Wilbur, Wilbur you got the blackish one. Yeah, Moxie, and then Cricket. Cricket, okay. Cricket's the new kid on the block. Nice. But also now she's the largest. Oh my god, perfect. Yeah. When do you get number four? <laughs> oh. That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, I know Catherine maybe. wants a rabbit, but that probably won't work out with the three cats. Might not, especially since we might move to somewhere smaller. Uh, Ooh. But if we do, we might steal another neighbor's cat or something because they Respect. just leave them. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I, that's what Austin's all about. If I remember correctly, you always get a few cats no matter where mm-hmm. you go. <laughs> that's what Austin's all about: stealing cats. Eh, I mean, I wish you don't even have to steal them. They just giving them away in Austin. Yeah. Also, uh, also chickens. Yeah. Everybody's like, I'm going to be cool and raise chickens. So you move in on a road and you're like, who's freaking chicken in this? And everybody's like avoiding eye contact. I'm like, oh, hell no. I wonder if I still have a picture on my phone. When we first moved in here, one of our neighbors had chickens and one would occasionally get out. And I just have a picture of me with like a chicken at our front door. That's nice. pretty cool. Like we live along a highway. Like why? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like well, not like a huge highway, but like downtown street. Why yeah, the we're... fuck do you have chickens? <laughs> what we what? neither we don't live fully out in the country uh, over here. We're like kind of like close to it, but not there. We're like in a suburban neighborhood, but also we're not in the hipster part of town. So it's like there's no reason for chickens to be out here. You'd right. Pernell, yeah. I heard you speaking chicken. What did you say? <laughs> oh, so you're just mispronouncing my name over and over. Very cool. Uh, my, fr- my friend Shane in high school used to like, and this has stuck with me for the rest of my life, he used to be like, he would be like, I just scared Brisket. Brisket was like licking my leg when I did that last thing. He's out of here. That's pretty funny now. Now now I'm stuck with it. It was really well done. Uh, I'm so tired of it by now, but it's also really funny. Just clocking around tonight. Uh, Oh, so true. I feel it. I feel it. I'm feeling an episode title coming on. I feel feel like. uh, Oh, go ahead. No, you. Oh, I was just going to say, I wonder if um, if Brisket has ever run afoul of a chicken. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't think so, but maybe we'll make it happen. Uh, for Christmas, <laughs> Carrie and I are getting ourselves an Airbnb, Airbnb for a night slightly, like 30 minutes away. We're going to use it as a little uh, test day for Brisket, like a night over somewhere else. And we'll be close enough to home uh, so he can, you know, see our vet or go home if anything happens because it'll be his first night away. We're going to see if we can travel with him. Uh, and I... I'm getting an Airbnb where the guy has a little organic vegetable garden and I'm going to let Brisket go outside for the very first time in his whole life and like frolic around. I got him a little harness that looks like a reindeer. It's going to be cute. Oh, just nice. be careful. That might be, that might be setting him up for an addiction. I know. Uh, <laughs> we're starting to like slowly, we're month to month now in the, ho- in the apartment you visited for now. And we're trying to slowly look for maybe a, a house to rent outside of San Francisco, be a little cheaper and maybe have like a tiny little yard. I could let him frolic around and plant some clover, you know. Oh, that would be nice. Nice. That'd be wing gear, actually. I think little bunny buddy would appreciate it. I think he'd like it. He's so adventurous. I have a question for y'all really quick, not to change the subject, but have you guys ever played, this is relevant for my review later, my notes, have y'all played uh, any of those phone apps for cooking, like Cooking Fever, Cooking Madness? No. No, I played the OG Cooking Mama. 
Okay, I love Cooking Mama. Uh, that's pretty cool. My, all right, my thank th you. That's all I needed to know. I'm gonna. So we'll call <laughs> on you later. Mama. I just I wanted found to the see. chicken picture. Nice. I'm excited. Oh my god! Cool. Mama. I want to see. I um. Are you putting it on the on the stream? I'll throw it in the Discord. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Um, make it the show image. Yeah. Call it clucking around. <laughs> oh, I will. That was the plan. We got, we got this, <laughs> Amazing. Uh, got this episode in the bag already. <laughs> there we go. No, what did you say? My doorstep. It's a muck was <laughs> actually pretty good at this. Try, you know. So, but yeah, I'm I'm in a, I'm in a mood right now as far as making like dopey sounds and like crazy voices and all right now. So I'm just riding that a little bit. Really um, appreciate that. Perfect for a podcast. Oh yeah, it's part of the fun, right? Yeah, gotta make it festive and, and kooky. Speaking of being a podcast, do we get to some reviews? We got a, a few games to talk about tonight. Ugh, I reckon. Oh, sure. I mean, we might as well, right? Might as well. I suppose. All let's right, let's done. let's get this started. First game to talk about tonight. My next life is a villainess. All routes lead to doom. Pirates of the Disturbance, developed by Idea Factory, published by Idea Factory International, released November 28th on the Switch for $49.99. This delightful rom-com sets sail on a journey filled with swashbuckling action, pesky okay. pirates, and possible doom. Chris, tell us about your time with my next life as a villainess. Okay, so, wow, it's an Otome review from Chris. <laughs> That's Thank you, Chris. Thank you for your for, service. Oh no, it's okay. Um, weirdly enough, legitimately nervous about doing this in front of like somebody who is like a superstar of the Otome community. Oh, that that's is my cue. Talk Otome. to you guys later. I'll be back that in it, ten minutes. <laughs> that, is, that is that well, is our own paper support. <laughs> yeah, um, I, of course. I mean our own Pernell. Um, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Persona, yeah. the uh, original Otome. Oh, true. true. <laughs> No, of course I mean Brooke, but that's okay. We'll get through this. Um, yeah, so My Next Life is a Villainess. This is um, <laughs> it, a really interesting um, kind of thing because this is a, you know, Otome visual novel based on a light novel anime um, property that itself is based on a fake visual novel Otome. <laughs> so that's, uh, you know... It's it's fold upon fold, you know that which is uh, which is fake has become real, and that which is real has become fake. Our entire world is upside down. Um, <laughs> this is already off to an amazing start. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, basically, the story follows uh, Katerina Clays. Uh, Clay Clays. I don't know how C L A E S is pronounced, but that's and neither do the Japanese, which is why they pronounce it Kleis. Ah, actually, Kleis does sound pretty. That that sounds the most believable for sure. Um, so in the original story, uh, this is a villainess of an Otome game who um, basically realizes one day that she is reincarnated from an Otome fan, a teenage girl who knows this game really well. And so now she has this uh, awareness of her fate and must uh, work to basically keep herself from uh from getting a doom flag that is to say this the game uh speaks in otome basically you know like it's it's a very aware of the community kind of um property you know so like you know she is basically the the original story like again outside of this game is that 
it is her uh, basically working to uh, recalibrate her entire approach in order to avoid uh, essentially being killed or exiled or some other uncomfortable thing happening to her. And of course, uh, such a, a turnaround and awareness of herself has, uh, you know, or of her current self um, leads to, you know, romantic possibilities as well as enduring friendships. Which carry over into some of which carry over into this game, which is a different story um, that is being told with the same characters. Um, so it's not quite a sequel. It's kind of like a um, well, here's just another take on on the whole thing. And uh, yeah, somebody was talking about the length of the title, and then Joe uh, responded with "Mon, you defeat monsters and gain strong weapons and armor. You may defeat, but don't you give up. Become stronger. I believe there will be a so day good. when the heroes defeat the Devil King Switch." Which, uh, which which I have on my <laughs> I actually read the switch part too <laughs> because it was part of the URL. Anyways, um, very nice. So yeah, this uh, this game follows uh, the character who uh, kind of gives you a little bit of an intro. Um, I went into this game completely without context because that's just the way I wanted to experience it and be like, how would this be for somebody who doesn't know anything about this game? And I was quite confused. Um, However, uh, yeah, like I said, it, it, you know, basically sets her off on her adventure on the high seas um, on a luxury cruise that runs afoul of pirates. That's uh, that's not a spoiler. That's literally what it says on the sales page. And um, basically, yeah, once I like read about the actual story, like the actual anime and stuff and got a context for it and a little, you know, kind of read like some synopses of the characters and such, I was like, oh, OK, this makes a lot more sense. Where, the anime you know, is kind of, fantastic, by the way. Yeah, actually, Catherine uh, has seen all of it um, when she, like, you know, she knew I was, like, um, playing in Otome, but, like, you know, one day when she asked me what I was playing specifically, I told her, and she was like, oh, I've seen that entire anime. It's really good. And yeah, I'm like, I watched it last year. It's so good. Yeah. And, um... So yeah, fans of the uh, of the series will know what to look forward to in this. You have romanceable boys, and um, there's actually two more romanceable characters that are not in the anime or light novels that are introduced in this game. Um, not going to tell you who they are, but neither is the game because when you uh, look in the menu at the, uh, they, it actually has everything broken up into chapters, so you can relive any chapter that you want with any character path that you want, and two of them are silhouetted. Like some gosh darn, like some gosh darn, you know, cars in a in a racing game, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's kind of hidden away from you. Uh, Smash characters cool. not been unlocked yet. Exactly, yeah. So uh, <laughs> as the game progresses and you learn the identities, you know, then you can then you can know. So that's uh, you know, the game's pretty protective of its uh of its own story, which is why we're not going to talk about it much more than than what we're talking about right now. Which, like I said, I checked all of the, uh, you know, release materials and stuff to be like, okay, I'm not saying anything that's outside of what you can just read um, on the sales page. So anyways, yeah, the uh, the novel is, uh, it's really cool. Like, I actually really like the writing on it. Um, it's got a lot of personality, um, even though it does have this overarching, you know, uh, fantasy story of, you know, rebirth and, uh, you know, a, a character who is self-aware of kind of being in an otome you know it's still written well and like it doesn't lean on just you know uh repeating the absurdities of of it all like you really do get into the the story and the characters and such um 
the actual like look of it is really really nice uh extremely clean like really beautiful art all throughout uh like i said all the characters are represented here um your text boxes just have like gold vines and you know uh mullioned windows and like i don't know just every it, it has an elegance about it that is like i have personally never seen but again i'm a newcomer to this whole genre so maybe i'm just uh maybe i'm just overly impressed but like everything you know like it's you know stars and fireworks and and gold and like you know all kinds of nice stuff to just kind of get you like feeling fancy while you're uh while you're reading this thing uh it has voice acting all the voice acting is in japanese uh it's it's well done, though, as far as I can tell. I'm not a Japanese speaker, but I have listened to enough Japanese acting that uh, you can kind of tell when it's uh, over the top or not. Um, got options out the wazoo, including uh, touch effects. And like I said, the whole thing is uh, is touchscreen compatible. So that's like really cool. Um, you got all the usual uh, things you would want from a visual novel, such as like your text speed, skipping bits that you've read already, skipping all the bits if you really want to. Um, having it on auto, um, you know, your sound configurations and all the buttons are remappable, um, just all that good stuff. And yeah, like I said, it's, uh, mechanically it's, it's basically perfect. I mean, there's nothing really missing here. Um, you got a hundred save slots, which is, as I understand, just (laughs) enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just barely enough. Yeah. A hundred meets the, the industry minimum, uh, on this one. And uh, yeah, I actually found this one, like I said, really charming. Um, I started off being like, okay, I'll I'll be a you know, I'll be the Otome person for uh, for this week only. But now I'm like actually planning on loading up the Crunchyroll and watching the anime series and then playing the full you know through the full game. <laughs> You've and- got to. It is so hey, good. it's so good. Uh, can I interject here? Even though you Absolutely. may have noticed, I had to leave for the last five minutes. Um. I'm going to listen to your review retroactively, but I want to say, if you haven't even played the game, I was watching this anime last year. Everybody was like, oh, you love Atome. You got to watch this anime. I was like, fine. I put it off for a while. I start watching it. I'm like, this is hilarious. This is really funny. And I was on episode 12 of 13. Well, I tell Carrie, because every time I want to watch an anime, I'm like, hey, you want to watch this with me? This is kind of like our special thing. We're a nerd couple. He was like, I don't really like the premise of this. You know, I don't want to watch something (gasps) about an Atome villainess. On episode 12 of 13 that I was watching alone, he walked through the room and he was like, oh my God, this is so funny. And we restarted it on episode one that night. We just found out that his best friend, who hates like a lot of female-centered media, absolutely adores the show. It's really funny. Um, Katarina's so stupid, man. Like, she's like, yeah. how am I going to avoid <laughs> yeah. being... And that's why everyone loves her. Like, the whole game is people falling in love with her because she's stupid and it's really funny. So, like, she'll be like, I want to get out of here. I'm so hungry. I want a snack. Oh, I'm, I'm, I really want something to eat. And her fiancé will be like, oh, ho, 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 Katarina, you're so charming. And, like, it's just a whole game of that. It's so funny. <laughs> They're like, she decides no, no, that Don't she's... tell too much with this. We've been asked to be as vague as possible Oh, just the actual anime. game I'm content. Sorry. So yeah, yeah. Tr- yeah, truly, truly. But uh, yeah, it's a really funny franchise. Like, highly recommend the anime to either gender. Aki's a million percent right, and Chris, I think you personally would love the anime. So I hope you watch yeah, it. I hope you chat me about it. I gotta course, find the anime. It's really um, good. It's Chris. on Crunchyroll. Uh huh. Oh, it's on the Crunch. <laughs> Have oh. you actually seen who the other character romanceable characters are? I know they're hidden, but have you actually seen who they are yet? I haven't, no. Okay. When you do, I want you to tell me who they are. <laughs> okay. 
I will, right. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be everybody's touch point on this one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. Like that was that's kind of like uh, Brooke perfectly um, kind of segued into what I wanted to say about this is that so Atome for a straight male such as myself is a little bit of a you know it's a stretch. I, it's it's a stretch, yeah, because you're kind of like you're playing as a maiden, and it's a you know literally on Wikipedia they call it reverse harem, right? <laughs> it's like which I I think is weird, but um because it's kind of like not what's reverse about it, anyways. So um, hundred percent agree on that. By the way, I started coughing. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, but you know, playing as a as a female character and like you know just basically going around and and dating boys and stuff like you know again it's it's a little bit of a stretch it's not beyond the realm of enjoyment. However, I'm going to say as somebody who uh, has like you know gotten into a couple and been like okay it's pretty good and stuff like that. Uh, this one I think is a good bridge. This is a good way for anybody to kind of get into like what's appealing about this genre because it's told through comedy. Uh, it's told through relatable like, you know, things. It's not just, you know, it, you don't have to believe that or, you know, you don't have to feel like all these boys are beautiful. I can't pick which one, you know, like it's not, you know, I don't think that uh, other Otome are like that. I'm just saying that that's the perception that you kind of get when you're thinking, oh, do I want to spend 50 bucks on, you know, this game that's a visual novel, you know? So I, I just want to say that I have like zero interest in anime as a whole, and I'm downloading Crunchyroll so I could check this out because you're talking oh, about cool. so much. Dude, I so, bet uh, Ashley would love to watch it and have some laughs too. And uh, I can say also, I'm very grateful to uh, to both Brooke and Aki just just as of last week for <laughs> um, introducing me to certain acronyms and like kind of, uh, you know, Atome specific language that they fully use in this game without providing any description or like definition so that I could be like, oh, I know what they're talking about. <laughs> I won't say what because that would be a spoiler. But I will say, again, if you're an Otome fan, this game will be speaking to you directly. Oh, well, the game uh, clocks in at forty nine ninety nine. What is your verdict on my life as a villainess? All roads lead to doom. Pirates of the Disturbance. I am so excited about this one. I actually probably would have never spent fifty bucks on it myself, um, despite you know, unless somebody like really you know told me what specifically I would like about it. So I am I'm happy to say that uh, my experience with it puts it firmly in the buy it category for me. I think that, yeah, this is one to check out if you're, um, you know, if you if you are or are not interested in, in the uh, genre at large, this is a still a great romp that you're going to enjoy. So um, I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Can't think of anything, you know, uh, against it, really. Cool. Yeah. All right. Next and up, I will, is, and I will be watching the anime too. <laughs> I'll be here for you, bud. That'll, that'll be all of our homework for next week is to watch the anime. Yes, yeah. and as an extra incentive, can I just say? And Chris has probably had this hinted at him with the characters in the game. In the anime, we spend just as much time with the ladies falling in love with Katarina as we do the dudes. And in the yes, game, we kind of got fun. We're gonna spend a lot of time with the ladies in the anime, and that is the best part. Um, and I'm not just <laughs> saying that as an old horn dog. So please enjoy, and I'll be here for you if you want to talk to me. Yeah, yeah I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't speak to that in the game itself because I'm not exactly sure where the game falls on that. So I'm, uh, yeah, I know that, the anime is like that's, that. Though. 
that's why I want to know who the uh, two people are that we don't know. I'm just Ooh. hoping maybe maybe it's some of the girls because there's like three or four of them in the anime that fall. Well, like, other- that would be cute. Aki, Aki, who's your favorite of the girls? Uh, Mary for me, no question. I, th- I think it's probably Mary for me as well. Yeah, that's uh, Carrie's favorite as well. She's it. Uh, who was the uh, white-haired girl? She oh. might with the Sophia's red eyes. So bad with names. Yeah, yeah. The little sister. She's amazing. Sophia. She's basically I might me. like her too. She she's fun too. If she she's was raised amazing. in Jacksonville, Florida, and had kind of like a weird drawl, uh, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're and coming. It, I think there's a new season coming. By the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> Noise. Okay, we're moving on oh. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next game: a Highland song. Developed and published by Inkle, released December 5th on Switch and Steam for $17.99. Maura McKinnon is running away a wild adventure through the Scottish Highlands with open platforming and dynamic storytelling, maps, and music. Purnell, tell us about your time with a Highland song. So this game is a fine example of just how crazy living in the Irish Highlands must have been, because what I was reading, this game was inspired largely by um, the lives of the creators and the way it was like what it was like growing up for them over there. Um, because the idea here is that Moira is, at the very beginning of the game, she runs away from home. Uh, you come to find out very quickly that the reason she ran away was because her uncle Hamish uh, sent her a letter saying... I got something really cool to show you. Come to see me at the lighthouse. Make it here before basically what's the equivalent of like a festival. Um, a name whose name would totally eluded me just that damn fast, which kills me. Um, probably because I didn't make it. It's frustrating. I didn't. Anyway, the point is, so you're tasked with leaving and trying to get there before the festival occurs. This takes place over a number of days and the game does count down for those days as you go. And you are pretty much running across the highlands to progress towards it. Moira can run, she can walk, she can jump, and she can climb on surfaces like a scaler, which is amazing because this kid is climbing some crazy surfaces in this game. Um, She does have a stamina meter, but there's no actual visual stamina meter. Instead, you just kind of have to gauge her behavior like if she's breathing heavily you'll see a, a lot of you know breath coming out of her mouth over and over again which will imply she's tired if she if she's walking if you stand still and she's tired she'll legitimately grab her knees and lean forward because she's trying to catch her breath you want to allow her to catch her breath because even though you're a kid you are in some very serious mountains and you can die out there though the game does have a habit of like kind of just sending you back if you do but absolutely, I have had a couple moments where I went tumbling, and it was sad to see because this kid doesn't deserve that. She doesn't deserve someone who's as bad as I am at controlling her through the mountains. Um, so the way the map layout is displayed, it's a series of some 2D um, mountain pathways or passages. Um, they have variations of scalability to them. There's foregrounds and backgrounds to them, and you are essentially climbing them, but there's other mountain period, mountainous areas behind where you're at because technically the goal you're trying to reach is far into the background of the game. So eventually you'll come across a path which will allow you to progress towards another mountainous landscape which is further into the background of the game. And you'll just keep pushing forward until you hopefully reach the lighthouse before 
festival time begins. Now, time passes as you play this game, too. So, as you're moving and exploring the areas, uh, the time will go from dawn, you know, till early morning, afternoon, late afternoon, evening, and then nightfall. And there's also weather effects that take place during this time, too, such as rain and high winds. Typically, when it is raining or when the winds are particularly high, you might want to seek shelter to avoid taking on, you know, negative effects of that. For example, if you're caught out in the rain too long, your total health will suffer for that as a result. You don't want that because Moira needs that health bar. Uh, Same with the helm, with the wind meter, too. Wind will make it harder for her to climb surfaces because, obviously, it throws her off. And it will obviously make it so it costs more stamina to stay on, you know, stay on our game. If you go for to the point where the evening kicks in, you ultimately also need to find a place to sleep at night. Because if you don't find a good place to sleep, well, she won't be very effective in scaling because now her, she's just exhausted half the freaking time. So the game is largely about, you know, progressing these areas, maintaining your stamina, not making stupid decisions on scaling surfaces and spelunking and crawling through caves because you also do that too if you're so if you're somebody who's not really good with being in enclosed spaces in a video game this is not the one for you (laughs) um in fact i'm amazed this little girl's doing it because i'm a grown-ass man you won't catch me crawling through no damn cave if i put me into the scent i'm gonna die before we go underground i don't even want to deal with the monster screw it um but uh yeah you'll be making exchanges like that now there is a weird mapping system in this game too in that uh you will occasionally, starting with what she's made herself, you'll occasionally come across like pages of books or scroll scrollings that you know other people out in the highlands have drawn and left on the ground, but of various alternate pathways you can come across and discover that will take you along different routes as you're progressing through these highlands. And what ends up happening is you need to get to the, a high peak to get a broader scope of the land layout. And then you look at the document or the scrolling that you found. And try to use what is displayed there to indicate where on the, on the map the actual shortcut is or alternate route is located. You put a marker down for it. You then progress that marker and hope that you're right. And if you are, boom, cool secret route or alternate route. Um, likely one that will save you time on your journey. And also just fun to explore and look around for stuff. You also come across people here and there, though they are very scarce. Uh, I will say on my first run, I found a whopping one person. They were a jerk, but I digress. You know um, who's not I a jerk? Her, Root beer is my jam. It's you on you is not a jerk, because they just subbed. Uh, what up? Yay. Well, Root is not a jerk either, so there. Yeah, Root beer is all right. For some reason, the, the fucking yeah sound effect didn't go off. I don't know why. Because fucking yeah. 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 So, Pernell, we're going to need you to do it live. Brooke just did a much cooler one. Brooke was like, fuck yeah. There we go. We got it. Okay, that works. <laughs> see, see? Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, as you're progressing, <laughs> um, you'll also find, in addition to like, the occasional individuals, you'll also find like objects on the ground that can be used as an inventory to, for different events. Uh as far as how frequently they'll be used for events, that's a whole other story. Because half the time, you'll come across a pile of stuff. You might use one thing once the entire game for your entire run. But that's the interesting aspect of this game. I guess with different runs, you might come across different people, different scenarios that might require different objects that you found. But ultimately, I just pick up everything I can find. Now, I don't know what happens at the end because 
I get frustrated with games when I can't progress to a certain point, especially when there's a clock involved. Um, Belch, I think it's Belting, Belchering. Uh, I think that's the name of the festival. There we go. Um, but uh, I've tried two times, and in both events, I failed on like what seemed to be pretty damn near the end of the mountain ranges because they start to get pretty complex further into the scale you get. Because, like I said, each mountain pass also has like elements of like a fort in the in front of the mountain and the back of the mountain that you're traversing. And at a certain point, you start losing track of what's a viable path, what isn't a viable path, and just trying to make note of it. Now, I get it. I'm not saying that as a complaint. Far from it. I know and believe that that was likely a feature intended to, you know, add to the whole mountainous exploration bit. But it does imply that it is going to take you, you know, more than one run, more than likely to get there in time. Now, another thing about this that I'll say off the bat that is worth knowing is that I feel like to do well at this game, you have to take risks as well, not just with making crazy jumps or whatever, but also with playing with the weather. Like it might be like raining outside and your first instinct might be, like, you got to find cover for this poor girl. It's raining cats and dogs out here. But you also might be thinking, yeah, but I need to make up some ground. Bell train is right around the freaking corner. I got to move. I got to move. And then you're like, oh boy. What am I doing here? But I feel like the game is designed to almost require that. Either that or find as many shortcuts as possible. But I digress. Um, one more thing I should definitely mention in this thing. And I'm not sure if I understood it correctly as far as what the effect of it is. But every once in a while, while you're walking around, you might come across a deer. It's usually you know, brought on by a deer sighting. Um, you'll walk up to the deer and the game will give you an indication to press a button to start sprinting. And when you do, Moira will start running across the highlands to some fantastic Celtic music. Um, and a light rhythm game will commence where you have to press either A or Y. Yeah, you can tell I was using the controller. Um, a or Y to, you know, on time of the beat to make the proper jumps and progress along. At the end of the sequences, the gauge that I got from this was that it's meant to help you cover high you know, lots of ground quickly. Because you're not getting windy while you're making these sprints. You're just having fun, I guess, as a young girl on a journey. But the other thing is that I think it happens whenever you make a perfect run. I would get a message saying, I've gotten stronger now. Which started making me believe that she was becoming more capable of climbing and scaling. Maybe this was like a way for her to get stronger on her runs. But there was no like strength stat. Nothing I can visually see to indicate she's getting stronger. So I'm just taking the pop-up message as the indication that is actually what it's doing. So for the sake of this review, I'm going to tell you, if you succeed at these runs, she gets stronger, which likely makes her more capable of, you know, traversing the highlands. Uh, the interesting thing about this game is that I feel like it's intended to be a fairly relaxing game. And I think it comes across that way because um, the pressure is not really there unless you're an aggressive, you know, need to succeed or like myself where you're like, I have to get to the end. If I don't make it to Beltran, I'm just going to die and quit. Um, and especially because of the fact that the game does not allow you to save, like, do like you know, save scumming or anything, it auto-saves. So if you make a really bad decision and you go tumbling down a ravine and you're sitting on there limping with your busted leg, guess what? The game saved five seconds ago, so you're still in that <laughs> ravine with your busted leg. There's no going back for you. And no I felt 100 bad save slots in this. Nope, just the <laughs> one. And it sucks. But the game in general, I think, is a solid pick. It has 
a nice bit of like exposition involved with it too. Like you'll hear her talking to herself every once in a while, just like, talking about her feelings, her situation. She'll be here from hearing like playback in her head of like stuff that her uncle Hamish said to her, describing the Highlands and like different landmarks she comes across. She'll hear memories of like her uncle and her mother having conversations. It's just nice. Like I kind of like having moments where she'd be like, "What the hell am I doing out here?" Because like she'd be crawling like a little cave. She's like, "Why am I doing this?" Like, good question, kid. Why are you doing this? But eh, it's because you were programmed to do it, and it's okay. Um, oh no, I think of, this game is a good time. Speaking of what the hell people have to do, do they have to pay eighteen bucks for this game? Nice. I think it's worth eighteen dollars. Very much so. In fact, boom. Cool. Is that your verdict? No, it's breezy. Okay. Highlands are breezy. <laughs> All right, next game, Pixel Cafe, developed and published by Baltoro Games, released November 30th on Xbox One, Series X and S, Switch, PS4, PS5, and PC for $12.99. Step into Pixel shoes in this one-of-a-kind journey that bridges time, memories, and the aroma of fresh coffee. Dive deep into a city balancing its past and future, engage in intense arcade challenges, immerse yourself in heartfelt stories, navigate a world crafted in pixel art. Brooke, tell us about your time with Pixel Cafe. Well, first of all, thank you for finding this game and recommending it to me. I adored it. You know, there is a whole world out there that Chris and Purnell, and I just learned Aki, don't even know about. A world of thrilling, magical, and frequently, in my opinion, unethical food service simulation app games on mobile phones. There's so many of them, and Chris and Purnell have no idea about them because they're too cool. But not me. No. I know all about these games. I played them You're all. Cool. I love them. Cool. I spent more money. <laughs> Thank you very much. Agree to disagree. I've spent more money on their purchasable in-app currencies than I'd like to admit to anyone, especially myself. So here I am, uh, and you're welcome. Okay, I'm here to talk about... Be honest, what is the most you spent at one time on an in-game currency pack? Oh, at one lie, time? Lie. 20 at one time. Uh, okay, because Ashley, she did 100 one time. <laughs> Yo, what'd she get, though? I want to know. What'd I she forget. Get? I, f I don't even remember what game it was. It was some, like, castles and clans or some bullshit like that. Oh, okay. I haven't uh, played any of those, like, tower defense. But she did it, and then she contacted Google and was like, I didn't mean to do it. The thing just popped up, and I didn't know it was going to auto-approve it. And they refunded her, and she kept <gasps> all the currency. Are you serious? All right, well, now that I know you can do that, I don't need Pixel Cafe anymore. No, just kidding. We need Pixel Cafe. But yeah, so here I am. I am here to talk to you about the predatory world of what came before Pixel Cafe for Nintendo Switch, which we are reviewing tonight, and that is Freemium Cooking Game, Time Management app things reading my notes here okay if you're not familiar these games are kind of inspired by such of diner dash such <clears throat> such as diner dash not so much cooking mama as games less emphasis on the cooking and the simulation more emphasis on the time and resource management let's name a few of these big predecessors for the mobile world we're talking about cooking madness cooking fever cooking diary and that's not all there's countless other games uh, under this umbrella by both the companies that make all the ones i just mentioned and other companies too basically take the word out of cooking from each of these titles replace it with bakery burger pizza you name it the game is out there <laughs> for mobile phone for android and iphone and a lot of the more popular ones are done by the same few companies so what happens in these games, including the one we're reviewing tonight, our game uh, we're talking about tonight, has a lot more going on, but it does have some key concepts in common here. Let's meet them. Uh, we open up on you, the chef, the player character. 
You got some kind of story going on. You got some kind of dramatic reason why you've got to cook in an assortment of different restaurants across the world as time goes by. Filling up a map, we travel across with different places to work, decorate, buy equipment for, different cuisines of food, and different foods to eat if you're the customer. You'll start in an easier restaurant to manage the others. Some might say a coffee shop or a burger place or something like that. You'll have one or two things to cook, a couple drinks you got to whip up when the customers order them. Maybe it's fries instead of drinks, depending on the app. We play in the first person and you are looking out across a counter the customers can walk up to and you interact with that counter and different cooking stations built into it to prepare whatever they order. Do they want a cupcake? Cool, you'll make that. If they, they might have customizations you need to pay attention to, generally because these games were designed for the phone, you're picking up ingredients and dragging them around to assemble them, turning on and off cooking machines as you go, maybe even cleaning up a bit, all with a swipe or a click of a finger or two. The customers order by saying what they want visually in a speech bubble with pictures of the food that they desire. Once you're done making the item they order, you turn it into the customer. Sometimes you just tap it when it's done. Sometimes you drag it to them. They make some sort of obnoxious Sims-esque humanoid sound like, ooh, ah, or oh, or maybe even grr, or <laughs> if you took too long to make their food and now they're mad. Most of these games, and this also accomplishes, I didn't put this in my notes, I should have, this also <laughs> accomplishes, we can release this, these games in a million different languages because they're just mostly visual, so very, very easily localized. So in most of these oh, games, yeah, see, there you go. See, Prunell started us out tonight on the silly noises, and I was like, okay, Brooke, remember that paragraph in your notes where you put a bunch of stupid noises? You could do this, man. They're not going to be as good as <laughs> Prunell, but you got this. You want to be like your hero. This is your chance, kid. <laughs> oh, my God. Prunell, I'm going to hire you to be an NPC in one of these games. Perfect. Let's do it. Let's do it. See, that's the noise he makes when we run out of time and I didn't serve him and he storms out of the restaurant and I maybe either get fired or die. We'll talk about that in a second. So in most of these games, you make more Does money. Does have if music you... playing in the background? Mm -hmm. I hear like some kind of majestic music playing and I, I, mean, I can't. It might be. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. It might be. Pixel Cafe. And if you don't hear it anymore, it was. And I'm very sorry for that. Okay. So I've had this game up uh, for like five days. It's really. This is my Nintendo Switch friend. He can probably back me up. This game's been on a lot. Okay. So in most of these games, you make more money if you get them their food faster. And each customer has a little timer of how long they're going to wait on the left side that's going to time out if they lose all their patience and walk out, just like Purnell did. Uh, if, that, if this happens, you don't get paid. The food is wasted, and that does typically come out of your paycheck for the day, even if you survive the shift, which normally won't happen if too many customers walk out. That's typically a game or a level over, but survive the day, and you can keep the money you make, and once you have enough saved up, you can upgrade your restaurant, and sometimes, like we can in Pixel Cafe, you can also upgrade yourself. So what's your story? Because in almost all these games, you have a character for yourself and y'all got a story going on. In a lot of these phone games, you're trying to be the best there ever was, or you're a famous young touring chef, or you're a rich, young, beautiful entrepreneur opening up 100 restaurants this year across the globe. Will you learn a thing or two about life, maybe even love? Who cares? Because you're never going to get that far unless you are a whale, one of those people who pays a lot of money for these games. So... How about this game tonight? What's your story now in this non-mobile app, PC, and console game? Take on this model, Pixel Cafe. Well, you are Pixel, a very, very cute red-haired girl who struggles with social anxiety and communication as well as other mental health-related struggles, subsequently fitting in, holding down a job. 
And according to your mother, you are a total failure. You're an adult. You should have been grown up by now, but you're apparently not because you keep losing food service jobs, which is insane because aren't those supposed to be the easiest jobs in the world? According to her, they are. So it's clear your mom wasn't going to be proud of you even if you did hold down a restaurant, bar, or cafe job. But given you can't even do that, she is disgusted. But at least she's only verbally abusing you via the phone because you live out of town now. You kind of got a fresh start here, but you got to truly work your way up from the bottom. All the furniture in your house is even busted up and needs replacement, which affects your happiness. And we need to have happiness points so we can increase our stats. You only even have a house because your grandparents have left you their house. And you move in there, you're trying to get any job in town at all so you can just feed yourself and basically survive. This is where the game starts, but I want to actually read... Um, I noticed Joe's Switch eShot, or like his description was a little bit different than what I had. I must have found it on a different page, and I want to read it because it has hints of what comes next once you get a little bit more settled into the story. Maybe you're fired, promoted, murdered, whatever's going to happen to you in this game. <laughs> Uncover hidden tales. E explore Carstock, a city stuck between a socialist past and a capitalist future. Go on an emotional journey as you form connections with your bosses and clients in this beautifully crafted pixel art world. You might be asking yourself, why does Brooke have that written down in, in her notes? Well, she started putting that at the beginning of all her notes for her reviews so she wouldn't repeat exactly what Joe said. Like the first five reviews I ever gave, I'm basically like rehashing the concept before I got the concept. So like, anyway, in addition to approaching themes about socialism and capitalism, like we're hinting in here, which by the way, we approach in a fun, entertaining way. Uh, we're also going to deal with some grief as we revisit memories or our past grandparents and talk to them. We'll approach mental health issues as Pixel herself is struggling and this pretty heartless excuse for a modern world we are living in. While this game isn't at any moment a platformer, Pixel, Pixel as a character is definitely influenced by the character Celeste from the game Celeste and her story and her personality or personalities, however you want to put it there. Celeste, for those of us who have not played it or watched it played, is a masterpiece narrative experience that focuses on different sides of ourselves at odds with each other and the conversations that those two sides of ourselves can have and how funny and scary and painful and engaging of a story as that can be. Pixel is similar. She's usually really passive and struggles with feeling like a pushover all the time until she's pushed too far, she flips to the other side. She's got a mean and bitter streak waiting in her, it's full of resentment. Which side of herself will win? Or is that even how it works for mental struggles in the world? This game's got a lot going on narrative-wise, but also world-building-wise. It absolutely blows the socks off of any cooking game in this model, hands down. To me, this could easily become a hit classic indie game within the cooking realm, with, in my humble opinion, all the indie style and charm of another personal favorite of mine, Papers, Please, with some heartfelt tearjerker moments that can easily, at least be respectfully compared to Celeste. So I know I'm name dropping some big titles here, but that's how much the surprise and impressed me. But enough about the story. Let's talk about a few features of the game and then move on, uh, which is very similar to the cooking madness, cooking fever shenanigans we mentioned. Why do people love these games so much? If they're so formulaic, simple, you're just using your fingers and maybe 20 people on earth have been rich enough to ever actually finish playing them. Well, they're thrilling and they are addicting. You finish up a level in one of these games and in Pixel Cafe too, which is a little better done. Um, once the game evens out and you're a little further in, you finish level and you are sweating when that level is over. Your heart is pounding. And if you do get through it, you always feel like you just made it over that finish line. Whew. And you want more, not only because it's fun, but so you can make more money and buy more cool stuff for your shop. Recipes, fancy ovens that go faster, fancy chairs for your guests to sit in that make them tip more money and make your restaurant look cuter if you're into that. This is 
tapping into a lot of us uh, as gamers. You might see some finger tapping and swiping going on if you're watching someone else play it and not think much. But inside their minds, they're chugging away and trying to keep a million little details and time limits straight when they're playing through a level. These games really make you feel. These become such a success and are so predatory uh, and they can capitalize on that for a reason because they really make you feel that rush like you're in the service industry like old diner dash games too and as things rapidly become more challenging you can feel yourself rapidly getting better at these games level to level you may fail a level take a deep breath start again you do way better with no enhancement it's and it's just really thrilling to kind of see that happen in real time for yourself so quickly we've all got whether or not you play games like this we've all got games that have really addicted us because they bring that uh they're super addicting which is what allows the companies for the mobile games for the past decade or so uh have game popularity to take advantage of players so much with that freemium game business model sure enough as fun as they are and as invested as they make the player feel both in upping their own skill and growing their character stats you're never going to be able to beat quote unquote one of these games uh, unless you are what they call in the biz a whale for the phone apps. The people that just spend so much money and are a very, very, very small subset of the customer base. So these games use, use in-app currency as well as paid for in-game currency to upgrade your character in your restaurant as you go. A newer model of these games that come out in the past few years since this little mobile subgenre has increased popularity substantially is a narrative story for your player chef to go through, which we talked about before, too. Uh, So now in Pixel Cafe, you don't just have one counter, you have three counters you could be working off simultaneously. And I really hope that they're not going to add any more. I put quite a lot of time in this game, uh, but I'm not very far into the story. It's it's huge. Um, let's talk about aesthetics and graphics and world building. This game, as you may expect for something called Pixel Cafe, features really, really, really good pixel art, as the kids call it. Back in my day, we just called it art. Animated maps, uh. background, st- I don't know why I said that. I was thinking of Chris <laughs> earlier. Uh, animated maps, background sprites, well-drawn and super well-animated. Everything you'd want out of something that's promising, like a big goodness. Uh, top-notch. So, so, so glad that Joe told me about this game. Uh, let's talk about music and sound design. It's great, especially at this price point. And they know it because this game has a little house that you live in. You can upgrade all the rooms to in every piece of furniture multiple times as you go. And in that house, you have a little music player and you can select. <coughs> Excuse me. So sorry. Taking a quick drink of water. OK, you can select from any of the songs in the game on your music player in your house. And they're all bangers worth chilling to. I left this game up for like a day and my partner and I just kind of chilled to the jammy synth music that y'all heard when I started my review. Sorry about that again. (laughs) I really like it, so I kind of leave it on as an ambient jam, and it helps me work, Uh, although some of the levels have some crazy music that's a little bit more energizing. Uh, Obviously, I think the narrative story is unmatched by this type of cooking game. I didn't think the bar was very high, and I find it impressive they didn't have to shoot very high to exceed it, and they shot so much higher than that. Stat building and customization. Uh, Yo, leveling up or whatever you want to call it in this game is so fun. It is super addicting. Not only the leveling and growth, but just the gameplay in general. I got this game code last week. I put at least 20 hours into it because I've only been playing it a few days. Switch keeps telling me that I started playing it last week, but I played this a lot more. I actually should have played it a little less and I'm a little bit uh, behind on work and I'm really trusting that my (laughs) boss is not going to listen that deeply into this review and he'll never know. These games are really challenging, uh, but rewarding. You can have you can really grind in this game and have unlimited earning potential to go back. Uh, if you f- if you find this game to be a little too difficult, you can actually revisit. Uh, if you if you want a lower difficulty than what the game offers, 
you have to earn that by working. You can replay early levels infinitely, even if you get fired from one of the jobs, which is a location on the map in the story. You can visit the calendar of when you used to work there. That's a tiny bit of a spoiler, but really important for mechanics because that means if you find yourself feeling behind or things are too hard, you're not going to have to restart the game to catch up. You can kind of just go back and do enough homework to help, you know, either build your skill naturally or help increase your stats just by grinding and getting a bunch of money, slowly leveling up all the furniture in your house and your stats themselves. Uh, so I mostly found this game to be flawless. I do want to talk about, surprise, surprise, uh, Brooke thinks the tutorial could be a little easier. I know I do this every single review, uh, but other than the tutorial, I feel not being clear enough for my tastes. Um, I wish that the tutorial would teach us like two things a little better. One of them, I wonder if it's a joke that they didn't teach us, uh, but I'll come back to that in a second. I really, I, I never really learned how to put the straws in the drinks and the ice in the drinks in the tutorial. I had to fail many levels before I figured that out. Um, I was just picking up items and putting them back down over and over again without being able to combine them. Um, and I really wish I learned how the coffee machine worked. Um, but outside of that, I do get the feeling that this game was extensively playtested. Uh, I'm not sure what happened in the tutorial, if this is just me missing something and being a little slower. Uh, but other than that miss, I, I do feel like this game was played so much. Um, let me see. I also want to know how, how to make coffee. <laughs> it's so tough. Um, I kind of can't decide if I don't like that they never taught me how to make coffee the way I wish that they had, or they're also telling a really good joke because all the characters in the game are like, I don't know how this coffee machine works. So I asked myself, <laughs> how far can I get? And I'm like, Dude, is this I'm actually, I, if the devs are listening to this, I hope you let me know. But I just decided I'm, I'm making it in this game. I kind of want to challenge myself. How far can I get in this game if I don't even look up how to fix the coffee machine? And the coffee machine breaks every single time. It has the opportunity to break, <laughs> and I enter into a mini game that I don't understand. And the answer is pretty far. It's a little hard, but it hasn't held me back, per se, yet. Um, this game doesn't have many controls to learn at all. However, having just a couple of buttons to push for a whole bunch of different items and actions can get a little bit confusing. Sometimes I did find myself wishing for more buttons on my Nintendo Switch controller to be utilized so I could switch it up more easily and really combo out and try to get some better muscle memory going on with my repetitive actions. Lots of selecting the area you mean to select on the screen by tabbing over and just pointing or just hitting a different button over and over again until you're there. But while I wish that was a little different, I can't really complain about it because I think the game made the right choice still and pulled this off the best they could. And if we compare it to the phone games, while gamer -y gamers may want a few more buttons so they can combo it out, the way this game is designed, anyone at any level of game experience could comfortably learn to play this game just like the phone apps where all you have to do is tap. When we consider the audience we're targeting, as I continue to mention with these Cooking Fever-esque games, I not only respect the devs' decision, but I think it was really smart and cool of them to build such a deep game with such a deep, lush world around these easy mechanics for people to learn no matter their experience level. <clears throat> and before we go into rating, I'm just going to say, guess what, Aki? This is available for Xbox. Well, she shouldn't have told her that. <laughs> I know. I'm asking for it. Oh, oh no really i don't know i just hockey hockey wherever you are it's available for xbox <laughs> <laughs> wherever you may be well it Fred. is 12.99 what are your thoughts on pixel cafe 
absolutely a buy it for me because I've spent way more than that on games that I couldn't ever finish. And I will be able to finish this game. So especially if you've enjoyed this game's money-grabby predatory predecessors and are looking for a big old honkin' giant stylish set price for less than $12, this is an upgrade on every level, even if it wasn't way less money. And I really, really, really got to hand it to the folks who had the idea for this game. At first, I thought, Joe sent me this game, and he's, I was like, I thought this was an opportunist grab to attract players like me and give us a break from the phones. But it would be a smaller game that wouldn't be as satisfying or deep as these games that ask an awful lot of money and time. And nope. I wasn't mad about that. Hi, Aki. This uh, game is available for Xbox. Sorry about that. No, my, my oh, sorry. You're fine. Oh, no, again? Yeah, yeah, it's, I have to, it seems like I have to plug it in and out a couple times to get it to work again when I've decided not to use it. That's uh, Interesting. Yeah. Sorry, you're dealing with I, that. It's fine, it's probably the computer, realistically speaking. I'm going to have to check this out since it's on Xbox. <laughs> yeah, and that means it doesn't matter if you miss my review, because you can check it out for yourself. But yeah, Oh, I could still hear you, I just couldn't use the mic. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Well, devs, I thought y'all were money grabbing and shooting a low goal, but y'all proved me wrong. And what you grabbed was my heart and my loyalty. Why did I write this? I'm like reading my notes live. Uh, please, please, please tell me when you make your next game because this was a knockout of the park uh, for me. I'm a big fan of these games. And after playing just two of the restaurants in this game, I put at least 20, I want to say like 25 hours. I'm still on restaurant two. I'm really impressed. I have so, so much more of this game left to go. I've been playing it. The music of it while we're recording tonight. Once again, last time, sorry about that. And even though I had an insane day at work and I am so tired and I hate my life right now, to me, a game like this delivers on this level like never before. This is worth $60 for me. Easy. Even if they ask that much, I can tell you 100% I would get my money's worth out of that game. I'm guessing I'm going to be playing this game at least a little bit every night for a couple weeks before I'm done with it. And it might even be more. I don't know how long the game is. So... I bid y'all adieu because thanks to the modern marvel of science, Nintendo handheld gaming systems has harnessed. Why do I write these notes? This is horrible. I am off for the evening. I'm going to go play this in bed until I fall asleep. Um, and thank you again, Joe, for helping me find this game. This is freaking fun as hell. I have well, uh, Go ahead, Aki. Is, is this single player you... only? Or is yeah, there single player. Damn. I only wish you asked for her rating by saying, so is it better than mama? Wow, that would have been awesome. Better than mama. We'll just, we'll edit that in. We'll do a Pernell impression. <laughs> my my bro, favorite you thing. This game is better than mama. <laughs> I so I probably said this before, but my favorite thing about cooking mama is if you mess something up and she says, you're not mine. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> so That's probably you. better. Previously, before I just heard Chris say that, my my favorite thing is when you do like the little photo shoot mini game in one of the later games, she'll say crop it like it's hot. <laughs> and they, she, she says that in Japanese. Uh, so it's like I all like in katakana. She's like, it's so funny. Anyway, it's amazing. Uh, oh, thanks. Cool. Well, do you have any final words before we let you go so you can continue playing? <laughs> uh, that's it. And thank you again. Uh, this game was a really good fit for me. Keep well, being awesome, you. lady. Night, night, y'all. Night. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Next game is Zuan Yuan Sword Mists Beyond the Mountains, developed by Soft Star, published by East Asia Soft, released December 8th on the Switch and PC for $14.99. 
Guan Yuan's sword, Miss Beyond the Mountains, is a classic turn-based RPG. Under the orders of Pepin III, the Frankish knight Septim has embarked on a long journey to seek the invincible arts of war. Starting from the canals of beautiful Venice, the Great Knight's path has spanned the Middle East, western regions on his way to the mystical orient and his adventure septum is drawn into the intricate power disputes between local powers along with the decade spanning ambitions of the dark lord satan chris <laughs> what is going on in this one okay so shuan yuan sword this is um very exciting actually because this is the uh third game of a series that Spans at least 13 games or so, and definitely across 30 years. Uh, this is a long-running um, series of games from uh, from China. From uh, actually, well, I guess Taiwan, uh, Taiwan, but you know, it's it's you know, it's out there. Uh, Soft Star Entertainment is the uh, is the ones who uh, created this, and you may actually know them from the Legend of Sword and Fairy series. Um, this is like their their other big thing. So it's um like I said in in Chinese speaking um countries and such this is a well-known series and this is the third game that uh initially came out in 1999 and I had my suspicions because when I looked at this game actually I re- you know full disclosure I did request this one um when I looked at it at first I was like okay this looks like a pretty cool like indie you know RPG looks a little uh maybe a little nicer than than some of the other ones at this price range and then yeah of course i realize oh actually this game is like 24 years old and is actually from like the era <laughs> that it looks like it's from so you know a little research will, will go a long way when it comes to uh you know thinking about these things so uh yeah this is a well i i hesitate to even say jrpg because it's not it's I guess it's Japanese style RPG, but it's it's from a different country. Um, but yeah, you do play as Septim, who is a uh, he is like basically a um, kind of wandering hero sort of thing who uh, ends up in Venice and uh, runs afoul of the the Christian Church. Um, <clears throat> so this game definitely has like a basic RPGs like uh ham-handedness when it comes to like you know religion and stuff like the church is just immediately evil and um you know they talk about god and satan and jesus and all this stuff they don't this isn't 90s you know super nintendo like type of censorship of uh, religion or anything like that they full-on just like throw all of it in there uh which is kind of great um you even have a uh, an NPC asks you a Bible trivia question that uh, you could get an item if you answer correctly. <laughs> so, you know, it's a uh, it's kind of cool like that. But anyways, see, so yeah, our boy is uh, is embroiled in a uh, in a dispute between you know the church and uh, and the supposed heretics, and um, you know he himself is branded a heretic. And matters are made not much better when he does visit a church and uh, rescues an old man from prison who promptly summons a demon who then becomes your companion for the game. Her name is Nicole and she's great. Uh, She is a like literally a, you know, like a a lady with bat wings and like, you know, uh, and and, like just came from hell like to like, uh, I don't know what essentially she's on a mission from Satan. (laughs) <laughs> uh she i guess satan is trying to recruit septum and she is trying to be instrumental in that but she there's also a little bit of a conflict there too 
So um, the story is a little complex and it like kind of unfolds as you go along. It's very interesting. Like I was actually um, kind of surprised basically at how engrossing the story is. Uh, when I started playing it, I was like, okay, well, I'll put an hour into this and then an hour into the, you know, visual novel and then another hour into this, you know, we'll just keep going back and forth while I still have time and consciousness. And the next thing I knew it was six hours later and I was oh, still geez. playing it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, um, it's pretty cool, but yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one because it does follow the kind of, um, a little bit of the formula of of the RPGs in, of the 90s and that, you know, you go to a town and, you know, there's a there's something, a problem that can be solved by going to the local dungeon. Um, it's got a tiny bit of that. Mostly it actually does throw you into like situations that you uh, that you don't commonly see in these uh, like how. You, uh, you know, when you're ready to depart from Venice, uh, having, you know, fully uh, disrupted the uh, the church's doings and you're kind of um, following your your rival um, or actually being pursued by your your kind of rival from your own country, uh, you escape on a pirate's boat, which uh, gets into the middle of a conflict that uh, is actually unrelated to you Um and then all of your ships are suddenly picked up by a moving island that uh, that you then have to uh, figure out the mystery of all, you know, while, you know, kind of uh, dealing with your rival and also dealing with, you know, Satan, monsters, you know, all this <laughs> kind of stuff. Like I said, it's a it's it's a really interesting romp. And um, the presentation is, you know, dare I say. No, I'm not going to say it. It's uh, it's unusual for somebody who is used to like JRPG presentations. So you do run around on a map, um, you know, and it it's actually kind of interesting because you run in eight directions, right? Um, you know, the the up, down, left, right, and the diagonals. But the actual map may be completely a different shape. Like some of them are like diagonal in a way that you actually kind of have to like run as if you're reeling in a fish. <laughs> kind of run to the side and then diagonal and stuff. And uh, your character goes from like moving like extremely slow to like also kind of moving slow, but it's a run. So his like feet are moving really fast, but it's like, I don't know it. And, uh, and like a, like a, a Chemco hit point game, like your feet make noises and stuff too. So that's kind of interesting. Um, the sprite work is cool. Like you got chibi characters and stuff like that. Um, they kind of look like, dos game sprites to me rather or you know mobile games rather than something like you know more uh kind of pixely like something like from a final fantasy or whatever and then when you get into battles everything looks like kind of hand drawn and like cut out from like paper and stuff like you got you know kind of pencil looking drawings um that are not as smoothly animated because it looks like they're you know each frame is has been drawn you know but it still looks really cool. And like, there's cool visual effects and stuff like that. And the main thing that like looks really interesting about this is the cutscenes. Um, the cutscenes utilize the chibi, uh, models and it does it in a way like they put this kind of blur over it to where it's like, it's really surreal looking. It almost looks like something that you would see, um, somebody producing with one of those terrible AI things. It's like, you know, <laughs> show me a, a 3d cutscene from an NES game or something like that. And it's like, <laughs> it would come up with this surreal, like kind of weird way about it, but it, it all like looks so cool and interesting. And I don't know, I'm like really intrigued by this. Um, 
And yeah, like I said, the um, you run around and you know you go into dungeons sometimes, but you also find yourself in weird situations sometimes. Uh, they're all context specific, so it's kind of like you know it it definitely keeps you more interested than just saying, oh, here's the next town, I you know where's the next dungeon kind of thing. Um, you also have a couple of different systems to keep yourself you know occupied. On top of, of course, um, equipping you know items, weapons, things like that, you actually. Uh, can gain proficiency in weapons as you use them. So um, you may uh, start off with a sword that's like kind of weak, but if you gain enough proficiency in it, it may end up stronger than like the the sword that starts out stronger. And really, the only way to tell is just to keep using it, you know. And uh, there's some items that kind of have a little bit of a different system there. Uh, there's some really nice items that you get that uh, you have to grow first. So basically, you have it equipped on you. It doesn't do anything, but then once you gain enough growth points by, you know, getting experience points, then it, le- you know, it actually starts to work for you. So, you know, um, you kind of have, you know, you kind of have to work a little bit for uh, for some stuff in this game. Plus, it has an item crafting si- um, situation, which is pretty cool. You combine one or two items, and not only can you create, um, you know, uh, new items, you can create living items, quote-unquote, a.k.a. like monsters, and you can actually equip them, too, and they, like, do different things, and uh, it's not all, like, graphically represented, but, like, there's there's some pretty interesting stuff in here. Um, like I said, some ideas that I don't see very often, and um, you can also capture monsters. That's a big thing in this game, um, which does kind of put them in your inventory as like a monster item, which again, you can combine with other things. You can combine monsters and create new creatures, uh, which is, you know, pretty cool. Uh, a little, a little, um, obscene, but you know, pretty cool. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, ultimately like I was extremely surprised by how much you get in this game for how little, because, uh, you know, there's not like I said, it's it's so much more than I thought it would be because I just thought it would be like a pretty OK, like indie RPG. And it turns out to be like kind of part of this legendary series I wasn't familiar <laughs> with. Now, having said there are a couple of drawbacks. Um, one, you know, there's some graphical things here and there, uh, for instance, like, you know, clipping through things sometimes, uh, especially your your character's shadow um, tends to like, you know, kind of do weird stuff as you move around. Uh, also the translation is not the best. Um, there's misspellings. There's, you know, that you can kind of tell where the translation is a little bit stiff. Um, it's a little bit literal sometimes. Um, having said at worst, it's just, it may provide like a line being a little bit more amusing and less emotionally heavy than it's intending. Um, if that's something that's fine with you, then, well, you probably played a lot of RPGs in the 90s, because that's exactly how it was then, too. <laughs> so, it's not anything that offends me. It's just something to know that, like, in this game, it's it's not perfect. But, man, it's 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 good. Nice. Well, it clocks in at 15 bucks. Uh, what is your verdict on this one? Yeah, 15 bucks. This is absolutely worth 15 bucks. And actually, I really, really hope that people do kind of catch on to this one. This is the first release on the Switch, and it's one of three that's available in the series in English. The others are available on Steam. Uh, some of them are available in, in Steam, like some of the older ones and uh, newer ones, but they're only in Chinese. So I'm really hoping that this game does pretty well so that, you know, uh, Softstar is, um, 
you know, compelled to maybe bring some more of these games over here because I would definitely buy another game of this series on the Switch. So, I yeah, I'm going to give it a buy. I wanted to get this on Xbox. I'm kind of bummed this isn't on PlayStation or Xbox, uh, but it is on the Windows Store with Xbox achievements. So if, Yeah, that's interesting. But but um, there's no actual console version, despite the fact I that mean, uh, there are two other games are on Xbox. Yeah, and so I'd, you know if if you looking through the Steam page, I'm kind of like this is pretty disorganized. I mean, it's it's kind of tough to tell what's what. Uh, some of the titles are in English, some aren't. Some are doubled up in there. Some are available in these like two or three game collections that are kind of weird. <laughs> um, but at least when you click on the game itself, then it's like it'll tell you English language not supported, and so you can kind of tell which ones but yeah miss beyond the mountains is uh is available in english on steam as well so for the same i think one dollar less or something like that but yeah it's a it just came to switch so maybe it'll come out maybe some more of them will come out but i don't know i'm really um i'm into this because this really does remind me of like the uh the like the the not mega super popular like playstation rpgs you know yeah like uh (laughs) something that's not final fantasy it's not reaching for the stars but it is providing like you know really solid art music and you know some um how does it how does it compare to like chained echoes and sea of stars well those are indie games and they're made nowadays by you know like um modern you know with modern tools i would say um i find it more compelling than i have found sea of stars so far but chained echoes is really you know that that game was such a work of art and only by one person. So it's kind of yeah. like it's really hard to compare other stuff to that one. But I will say um, if you're into those games, this is one to check out because it's a it provides you a different kind of flavor of JRPG. Well, I say JRPG, but you know what I mean? A different flavor of this type of game than, you know, something that's um, like of the Chemco set or something like that, which yeah. is just trying to kind of latch on to a, a specific um you know, working formula that, uh, you know, this one is, is trying more stuff and it's, it's like I said, it's, uh, bolder if you, if you don't mind me saying. Cool. All right. Well, moving on. Next game is kingdoms and castles developed by lion shield, published by blitworks released December 1st on Xbox one and series X and S for 1499. Your kingdom must survive a living and dangerous world. Do the Viking Raiders make off with your villagers or are they stopped full of arrows at the castle gates? Does a dragon torture granary? Your people dying of starvation in the winter? Or are you able to turn the beast back? The success of your kingdom depends solely on your skill as a city and castle planner. Purnell, tell us about your time with kingdoms and castles. Well, damn, that description sucks for me because I took the punk way out uh, in that this game does give you the option if you're the type that doesn't want to deal with like military or conflict or whatever, you can just build and have a nice, relaxing, kosher time. And full disclosure, that's what I did. So whoop to do. But uh, with that said, I feel as though my dialogue will still carry over to the beat um, drag is down with a ballista too, which I do know you can build. So this game is at its core a city builder and a kingdom manager. And that you start the game off, you are able to choose like your difficulty that you want to play on. And that's where the aforementioned I chose not to deal with conflict came in. Because early difficulty is like, hey, very little conflict happens. You're just building 
and making your villagers happy. And then the higher up you go, it's like, you know, more aggressive Vikings, you know, disasters and the like. So I didn't do that. But when the game kicks off, once you've chosen your location and the size of your island and whether or not you wanted other islands or rival kingdoms on your map, you are smack jab plunked onto a road on a landmass. And you are immediately tasked with getting this party started by building your castle keep, which is pretty much the center of your kingdom as a whole. But then from there, like with a lot of games of this type, you will be building out to, you know, further define your kingdom. Like the first thing you might need is some citizens, because what the hell is a kingdom without citizens? So you can build a road to extend away from your castle, and then you're allowed to build homes along the side of that road. After you've built the roads, I mean, the roads and the homes, if there are people already in your kingdom, they will go to live in those homes. Each home can have a maximum number of head of households. Um, at the base of the version house being the hovel, which you start with, one head of household per home. And that actually does matter um, for future games. So once you've done that, <clears throat> you will then realize that these people want to be happy. Everybody wants to be cool. Don't happy, very clean. Oh, here, here to that. And if only we're as happy, easy to be happy as it is in this game, because they have simple <laughs> needs at the beginning of the game. They want drinkable water. They want access to roads. They want friendly neighbors, and they want access to charcoal. And that's kind of what gives you your very beginning, you know, starting goals. You need to get homes for more people. You need to get drinking water, which requires you to build a well. You want to have charcoal, which requires you to have a charcoal maker, but the charcoal maker requires you to have wood to burn for charcoal. You also need wood to build the homes. So now all of a sudden you're building out, you're looking for trees, you're chopping the trees down, which you can set by setting a command to just chop down swaths of trees to acquire the wood that you can then use to build those facilities, hopefully eventually making your citizens happy. This loop will again become a matter of them saying, I want food now. I am freaking hungry, which means now you need farms and orchards. And they all have requirements to construct them, <clears throat> whether you need stone to build things or wood to build things or iron or what have you. You need to acquire resources by doing constructions and like facility builds to get these things um, developed. Now, stone, you don't just go out and grab it. If you see it, you have to have to discover a like stone mass that can be core or mined on your map and then build a quarry next to it so that people can work in the quarries. Iron mines, you need to find iron, an iron deposit and then build a mine there. All these things also <clears throat> need to be staffed by human beings or voxel people, as I like to call them. Because this game is very much voxel art, which I think is beautiful. Um, you need to actually go to your job priority screen, which is probably for me, probably the, the more annoying element of the game. Though I feel like it's also user error in this case. Um, but you have to actually allocate the importance of the jobs in your kingdom and also the number the max number of people you want working those jobs you know equivalent to the number that you can accommodate so like if you have one quarry a quarry can likely support like two workers so with one quarry you have a maximum i'm oh, sorry a quarry can support four people so with one quarry your maximum number of quarry workers will be four but if you build a second quarry you can say i want to put all eight people that are available there into this quarry or maybe I want it to be four, and then the game will split them two to two. But uh, you need to determine where the priorities lie on the limited number of citizens you have working what specific jobs. What do you need to get done faster is what that boils down to. And when it comes to food, you better be careful of that, too, because the game does have seasons. Though there are only two seasons in this game, summer and winter. What a year, right? Uh, and it was like Pennsylvania. The, the winter, <laughs> 
<laughs> pretty much these days, yeah. Um, if you allow your food to be unstored, as in you didn't build a storehouse or a granary or what have you, depending on what type of food you're building out for, if you don't store it before the winter, it's all gone. Anything you didn't harvest is gone. And your citizens won't like that if you don't have any stockpiles, so get on that crap ASAP. Over time, as you play the game, you'll be able to get other sources of food. You better get fish and livestock and all that, and they all have their own personal requirements to get things done. This game just builds upon itself more and more as you go. Hilariously enough, they do show you pretty much everything you can build in the game at the offset, even if you can't produce them or have no reason to produce them yet. But you'll be building all sorts of stuff. Um, soldiers, barracks, even if you're not doing with a lot of military stuff or monsters, you will come across the occasional environment where um, and like wildlife might attack your people if you let them go without having protection. So you need to have citizens trained to handle weaponry. Uh, you'll need a tavern to keep your people happy because they like to hang out at the bar at night. Um, boats to travel to other islands if you want to expand your kingdom beyond the landmass you start on, etc., etc. I feel like the only real issue I've had with the game, because the Zen state does absolutely kick in. It just takes a little settling to like, because once you get accustomed to being like, okay, this isn't just utter chaos. I have an idea of what I want to do to build my my kingdom out. Once you find that perfect groove, you'll get to a point where you're just blowing through like year after year in game. Not, I didn't, I haven't played this game for years. Um, there hasn't been that much time, but uh, in <laughs> game years, and you'll be just kind of feeling the flow state, but. I did genuinely suck at having the concept like, okay, job priority change. This job, now that job. Now I need this done, I need this done. And I should be treating it like freaking Final Fantasy XII macros where it's just line them up in the order they are and leave them that way. And if by some chance I need to build something, I already have building at the top. So if I tell the game, build thing, I'm gonna, it should automatically allocate people to build. But I kept doing it so hair-triggered every time that I never got the full effect of it. So my advice to you, if you decide to buy this game, kind of treat it like a macro system and just know that you want your important, your most important, but also less frequent tasks at the top. That way you can trigger them when you need to trigger them. And then when they run out of things to do, they'll move down to things that are constant. Um, something like that. Um, the other thing I think is kind of funny is you also have to tax your citizens in this game too, because one of the resources is money. And at the beginning of the game, you don't just get money. Even if you have citizen buildings and people living in them and all the folks are working, you still don't just get money to get money. You actually have to build a treasury that can house the money. And the treasury has a limited amount of money. It can store kind of like Scrooge McDuck's money bin. And if you start getting more citizens that can pay better taxes, you need another money bin and another money bin. I'm surprised there's no freaking swimming animation in this game of the king just <laughs> reveling in his own monetary filth. But uh, nonetheless, the game has a, a pretty addictive loop to it, even if you don't bother with the combat components to the game. Though I would, if you do want to bother with the component, the combat opponents, I would at least, I would wager it would just treat them similarly to how uh, the bad weather effects kick in, which is as time progresses, you will see enemies come up on your screen, and you have to have the means to defeat, to defeat them. Like if you've had soldiers attributed to your kingdom, they should go and attack them if they're in a, a decent position to actually do so. If you have ballistas set up and a dragon starts flying by, you'll shoot the dragon down. Like, that's how I perceive it working, because that's the same time flow that you got. So make sure you have the resources on hand to repair and fix anything that they damage. Like, if the dragon set the building on fire, you better have a, a well nearby so the citizens can put the fire out. 
And I believe there's also even a fire station you can build to make it easier for people to put fires out. You can build a fire department. Go figure. Um, this game is pretty cool. Um, it was a game that, that was not on my radar. I do see it as being a uh, contender for Solid City Builders um, now, though. It definitely hits the mark. It's not... Well, actually, no, it is. It's a different game from that one I reviewed earlier. I think it was earlier this year, that uh, Polytopia. Um, but... But nonetheless, I feel like this stands up next to Polytopia as like, you know, kingdom, you know, management, you know, fun exploration or expanding out game. Like, I enjoy this. I think it's fun. Oh, well, it clocks in at fourteen ninety nine. What's your verdict? I'd give it a buy it in the States. I think it's worth your time. If you like city builders, if you like to relax, if you like sweet, sweet voxels, all of which apply. Cool. Sounds good. We got one final game to talk about tonight. That is Hakuoki Edo Blossoms, developed by Idea Factory and Design Factory, published by Idea Factory International. This one released back in March 2018 on Steam for $9.99. The remastered telling of the beloved visual novel Hakuoki series is a continuation of Hakuoki. Yoto Wind's story focuses on the story set in Edo. The second part in this two-part series, Aki, tell us about your time with this one. Okay, this one takes up immediately where Kyoto wins uh, dropped off. Uh, you play as uh, Chijiro, a young woman who has been taken in by the Shishingumi, who were basically a police force, uh, and they are hunting monsters uh, they call Furies, which are basically vampire-like creatures. And uh, they have just been kind of destroyed. Um, not the vampire creatures, the Shishingumi. Uh, they've been attacked by the government. And some of them have been injured. Some of them have had other problems that have come about. And that is basically the start of this game. Everything is going to shit. Uh, <laughs> you, you choose a, a route at the beginning, uh, which is any one of the dudes, basically. Uh, and there's a lot of them. I think there's eight, seven or eight, something like that of them. And you go down their route. That's the person you're going to romance, yo. So have fun. Uh, and some of them, you have to deal with the fact that they're injured and you're on the run from people who are outright trying to kill all of you. Uh, not just, you know, the uh, government that attacked you originally, but also furies that are all around and abound. Uh, they're hunting Shijiro uh, specifically because she's apparently part Fury. Uh, and yeah, you have to deal with those who are injured, those who have been less than humanized, we'll call, we'll call it, uh, as well as having to deal with their personalities. Uh, and lots of them are the brooding type. So there's a lot of personality you have to deal with, um, namely rudeness. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, this is an adventure visual novel, so you do get to make choices. Uh, obviously, since I said routes, that always means it's an adventure one. There are choices. Uh, that's why there are routes. Um, there's a lot of dead ends in a lot of them, and you really kind of want to see them all, because it's it doesn't just go to a the end. Uh, it actually, you know, explains how they die and so on and so forth. Uh, there's also a good end, a bad end, and for some of them, I feel like there's a third end uh, as well. Uh, 
that I'm not going to go into. Uh, but they all are based on uh, different choices you make, uh, causing them to become somewhat corrupt or not, uh, and the level of corruption determined. Are you drifting away from your microphone? You're getting like just steadily quieter. Oh, I might just be getting quieter. Sorry. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so they're, they're. I thought you were just like slowly rolling away from the computer. <laughs> No, because this is this mic is part of a headset, so it's attached to me. I was just getting quieter. Uh, so yeah, uh, so there there's kind of a corruption element to it, and that determines which one of the endings you get. Uh, and yeah, I spent thirty three, thirty four hours in this game, I think, and I haven't even finished half the routes yet. Um, well, it only this, clocks this is in a long one. ten bucks. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I think it's totally worth it. However, there is one caveat to this: you do need Kyoto wins, um, or else you, you're not going to be quite up to date with the game. Because again, these are two halves of a whole. These originally were one game back on the Vita, and they were split into two different games when they were ported to Steam and updated uh, graphically. So you do need to play Kyoto Wins to really have a full grasp of what's going on. Uh, if you don't really care about that, it's still ooh, pretty boy. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, you can you can get away with it, but the story isn't going to make as much sense. No. Um, so well, Kyoto I Wins is just- also 10 bucks, and they have a bundle for of both of them for 18 Uh like like we said, they are a little bit older. They are older games, but do they still hold up? Are they worth it? Oh, they're fantastic. For visual novels like this, there's not really an older game because there's not a lot of change to the genre. Uh, so, no, for $18, oh yes, totally worth buying the pack just to have both of them. You, that's how you want to play it. Cool. All right. Well, that is it for this episode. We made it through another one. Uh, thanks to the three for being here and hanging out the whole time. Thanks to Brooke for coming on, doing her thing as well, before she went off to play more Pixel Cafe. <laughs> Aki, you going to pick that one up? I might. I might. I don't. I won't be getting it anytime soon because of that computer <laughs> cost. But I might when it's when it's on a pretty good sale. I might. Nice, Chris. What were you going to say? Um, I was going to say, I'm not sure if you had talked about it before, but we talked about this last year. Uh, or, so uh, No Gravity Games is doing um, a 12 days of free games kind of thing for the Switch eShop. Um, so if you have any, well, one, of their cool. yeah, if you have any one of their games, um, then every day you can collect a new free game. Um, it started yesterday on the 11th. This is being recorded on the 12th. And... Um, it started with Nanogram's Prophecy, and uh, today they threw up Creepy Tale 2, Ooh. which I just picked up. And, oh, uh, which I think I reviewed. <laughs> oh. And then, uh, yeah, tomorrow's going to be something else, and uh, it's all leading up to uh, the 30th, where they're, or sorry, the 20th, where they're going to have two free games if you've picked up all the rest of them. So it's one of those kind of things where you have to pick up, like, one game in their catalog, or have picked up one game in their catalog, which they've got a lot, so, you know, that was not very hard for me. And, I'm wondering uh, how they're going to treat it, like, because, like, I didn't get that Nonograms, but I already have Creepy Tale too, so I wonder if I could just jump in tomorrow. Well, you should uh, be able the, to. 
yeah, the games are uh, heavily discounted. So I think not. I I already owned Nonogram's Prophecy, so I'm not sure how much they discounted it. But they said that they're, um, you know, you can at least just pay a fraction to get in. But yeah, you do have to collect all of them like sequentially as they keep going. So right now, um, like I said, uh, within the next four hours, <laughs> uh, if you at least have Nonogram Prophecy Two, or sorry, Nonogram's Prophecy, you'll get Creepy Tale Two for free. And then if you keep up with it every day, then you'll get a new game. Very cool. Yeah. Well, there you go, everyone. Enjoy some free games for the holidays. Uh, we'll be back with another episode in a few more days, and then we got one more, and then we're taking a break. I'm Hooray. excited. We're almost there. Break time. Sleeping. Time so for close. sleep. So close. But uh, we're going to wrap things up Sloop. with some Christmas music. Uh, does anyone have any final words to end the show? Steam sales are dangerous. Steam non-sales are dangerous. Just Steam is dangerous. If you, had, sales if you know in someone who's struggling with Steam addiction, yeah. but if you, you know, know someone who's struggling scary? with a Steam addiction, let them know. Let them know. Get them help. Get them help. <laughs> you want to know who needs help? I'm not going to name who it is, but someone on this show is interested in picking up Avatar and Kong because they're both half off. Well, um, it was not Chris, but they're not on Switch. Well, uh, Kong is, and I am interested in picking that up, but I don't not, know. Not, not, not the Switch? blue person Avatar one. I'm talking the animated one that didn't review well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's still oh, not me. <laughs> No, I'm it's, it's about none of us. I'm about but, the blue people avatar. That narrows it down a lot more, <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I do want to pick up that Kong, the Skull Island Kong thing or whatever, because it's so stupid. Like, I, I really want to play it. Well, how much you looking to pay Xbox them for something right that's terrible? <laughs> do what? Like, how much? Uh, therein lies the question. What are you willing to pay for a game that is, like, verifiably just terrible? Um... You know, like probably up to like ten or fifteen bucks, just because it retailed for like forty. You know, I'll catch <laughs> it on a pretty good sale when they're just finally desperate enough to be like, okay, fine. Uh, like we'll pay you five dollars like to take this game. Yeah, I mean, it would have been ideal if they would have given us a review copy. I would have, uh, but now that I have to pay money, oh no, because then you would have had to trash no, it. I will show them no mercy. <laughs> they, uh, they the they'll, ba- they'll buy Gollum for ten. <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't do the Gollum game. They did. They did the Avatar game, didn't they? Same, yeah, they did Avatar. Them. They did uh, Kong. They did Walking Dead Destinies. Uh, oh, surprisingly, yeah, they also did Nick Kart Racers and DreamWorks Kart, which were both oh, solid, yeah. and uh, Nickelodeon yeah. All Star Brawl. So they yeah, have they I mean, have their you know. ups and downs. Then again, I mean, that's they're kind of, you know, copying someone else's homework on those. No, we're off the record now, right? No, it's still going. Uh Oh, 